Eyes on the Castle Rock. I'm your host, Kim Payne, and we're here today with... My name is Brad Elliott. And we are reading Christine. So, Christine has always been important to me because it was my very first Stephen King book. So it felt appropriate to relaunch with my first book. So this is Brad's first time reading it. He has seen the movie years and years ago, but as you all know, the book is always better than the movie. What are your first impressions as you've gotten started at it? Uh, I've really enjoyed it so far. Um, I think we kind of talked a little bit. Um, it, it almost has a Lord of the Rings type feel, like I said, where they're definitely sensing that the, the car has something going on right off the bat, you know, you know, that he doesn't really kind of sugarcoat that, you know, there's definitely a mysterious element to the car right off the bat. So that, that's the one thing I really like about it. And then it's it just slowly just kind of progresses. I mean, it's really kind of turned into a page turn where, you know, at first I was kind of slow reading, but like I told you now, it's like, I can't hardly put it down. It, it'll suck you in. Um, reading it through this time for like, I don't know, probably the 10th time. <laughs> um, what I noticed from the beginning is that, first of all, it is Dennis's looking back on all of the events. So it makes me wonder from Dennis's point of view, how, how much of it was what actually happened and how much of it was romanticized memory. I gotcha. Yeah. You know, cause they mentioned first several times in that, just that first three chapters about how looking back and all the things I know now. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that kind of sets it up too. You know, he's talking about it right off the bat, you know, looking back on it and, and then things like now, like I should have known then, you know, it's almost mm -hmm. kind of like that kind of response. And, and it does kind of forebode what's potentially happening. I think, you know, down the road. Right. And I think that if he'd have known that day in August, what he knew in January, he'd have fought harder. Oh, for sure. I mean, well, I think that's the one thing I think he even kind of says it in, in one of the earlier chapters. But, you know, simple task. What if he just drove by, you know, and didn't mm -hmm. stop, you know, in front right. of the front yard and, and, you know, put everything in motion the way it kind of did. Yeah, it probably would have destroyed his friendship in a different way. Right, right. Or does he still get the car potentially? Right. You know? So. Um, a summary of the first section that we're reading, um, if this is the Dennis section, Teenage Car Songs. Uh, Dennis and Arnie are working on a road crew through the summer before their senior year of high school. And it's near the end of the summer. And on their way home, Arnie spots this decrepit car <laughs> sitting in the lawn and just instantly wants it. Arnie's handy with his hands. Seems like a fixer-upper. Okie dokie. Stop the car, stop the car. Stop the car. So Arnie buys the car, fights with his parents. They hate the idea. 
Yeah, I mean, everybody, I mean, right off the bat, even Dennis, though, is he, totally against the deal. I mean, he he hates the fact that LeBeau is asking. I think it's like 250 he's asking. He's like, it's only it's not even worth like 50 bucks at the time, he's saying. You know, when, when money's worth a lot more. Right, then, right. You know, it, it's worth 50 bucks at the junkyard. <laughs> and, you know, he's mad that, you know, Arnie's talking about paying the 250 and putting down the down payment. I mean, everybody's pretty kind of upset about it at the time because, like you said, Dennis... Dennis looks at it as just a piece of junk, you know, right. broken windshield and all the other problems with it. Right. You know? He doesn't see, Arnie sees the potential of it. Um, and I, I think, love. I, I think right off the bat, honestly, though, uh, I mean, even Dennis kind of says it for a second. So I think Dennis, the first day he gets behind it, the wheel, and he gets that sense. So, like makes me wonder right off the bat if it's Christine has already lured Arnie in right off the bat. Like she just kind of lured boom and kind of grabbed him. That has always been my theory. Like since the very first time I read this, I thought that car was looking for him. I think so too. I mean, just cause you know, I mean, Dennis gets the vibe right off the bat and you know, like I said, I haven't gotten far enough into the book yet really to, to see it you know, because I'm kind of just reading it as we kind of go. Um, but it seems like everybody, when they get in the car, gets a feeling, more or less. I mean, every character that's gone into it to this point has a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Arnie buys it anyway, and then they have to get it to Darnell's, which is, you know, the place where everybody goes to work on their cars. And that's an adventure in itself. The car's a 1958. It's 1978. It's been sitting, we find out later, for a long time. And so it he gets a flat on the way. What do you think of the uh, family? I mean, that's a lot of that's just, I think, just so Stephen King, first of all. Um, and, then, and then second, I think it goes a lot back to the car from the standpoint you know, like I said, it's almost like a, that Lord of the Rings vibe. I feel like the car just gives off this bad vibe, kind of like, you know, the town of Derry and it gives off this just evil kind of sense. Like, I feel like the car was right like that. And that just brought out this real dark side of the family because that scene was crazy to me. Right. Right. I mean, well, and and it made they were just inordinately angry for a guy being parked on the street to change a flat 18 year old kids got a flat tire like in you know i mean you think as things get as time has gone by and we've gotten older you think people get less cordial you're thinking more in this time in 1978 that there would be some kind of allowance maybe or some friendliness or courteousness you know to the kid in the situation with the tire and it just wonders how First of all, how bad did the car look really at the time? How beaten up really is it? And then two, did the car just kind of put that bad vibe out there and it just kind of rotted that family to where, you know, I mean, the guy was about to kill Where him. he was going to put the Ben Shanglang on him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and, and not even that big of a change in time. I mean, my daughter had a flat last week and <clears throat> she's perfectly capable of changing it. We've taught her how to do that. However, a mechanic on his way home from work stopped and helped her change the tire. So, I mean, I don't even think, but their situation's not even, it, it's one thing, like, I think if the, the boys were going to leave 
and say, hey, we'll be back to get the car in front of the house. Then then the wife has a little more reason to say, you know, but he even stayed with the car the entire time. You think about that. And Dennis went to go pick up the tire. So Arnie stayed there the whole time and it just escalated from that. And it's like, obviously they're working on the problem. The problem's trying to get solved. You know, it's, it it was, it was was a weird scene. I mean, with, with everything, you know, and it also kind of brought up a little bit with the car and Arnie, because I think, you know, even Dennis says he caught Arnie starting to change, kind of to puff up a little bit and get more confident in himself. Right. It it gave him, it almost felt like from the beginning, it was imbuing him with some kind of power. And again, I, I, I want to put that through the filter of Dennis is looking back at this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, did Dennis recognize that immediately or is it after going back and analyzing the situation, you know how you do, um, that he noticed that change. Right. So they get the car to Darnell's and find out the horn doesn't work. So it's got everything wrong with it. It's a rust bucket. It's got four bald tires, one and a flat. It's leaking oil. It's windshields busted. But he gets it to the shop. I mean, it's almost so bad Darnell doesn't even want it in the shop. Like, I think he almost realizes it's it's too lost of a cause. Right. You know. So he gets it parked. He gets it turned off. He um, goes home. He comes back to start working on it. And one of the things that was commented on was how irregularly he was working on it. Mm-hmm. He was replacing things randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, with and one of the things that Dennis mentions is that Arnie is generally a very meticulous person, right? And so he also is concerned when he sees how. I don't even know randomly is the only word I can say. No, I mean, yeah, he definitely, he talks about how, um, and I think it's a little bit later in part one, more when he gets into more in depth about it, but like only one seat is changed and he'd have half of the grill done, not the other half. And like you said, more random kind of occurrences that weren't very important. Like it didn't have rear view mirrors, but he fixed you know, the radio the, antenna. Yeah, the radio antenna and, and little things like that that were, you know, small things. You know, he even talked about though he he couldn't understand how he fixed some of the bigger things, like you know, like the the giant dent that seems to to go away, and you know, a lot of the things that he you know, and go no obvious signs of repair. Right. Um, I know like we've all like the had- job was amazing that he couldn't even tell it got fixed right Right. we've all had accidents and in on a car like that to fix a dent like that there'd be some bondo you'd Mm -hmm. see that yeah but the first part you know where like i said where you start seeing the the change in um arnie himself is the when Rupperson attacks him at the shop you know after after you've been working on it for a little bit and this is kind of even before the changes were starting to get sensed, you know, because that was more when he was in good graces with Darnell, but the Repertson issue, you know, 
I mean, they played it up. You kind of sensed that something was going to happen right off the bat, and you know, right off, boom, Stephen King bully style, man. There's Absolutely, so there's a, well, and there's always got to be a bully. You know, Dennis from the start described Arnie as the art outsider. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he didn't fit in with any group, right? And those are the kids that always get bullied at every high school in the history of school ever. So. And, we and, had to introduce him. Yeah, and then Buddy's just, you know, the typical, like, you know, we said, almost this, the Stephen King bully out there, the not interested in school and life and the morals of normal society. Right, and right. Make his it's own the, kind of crazy decisions. You know, he's the one you read about in the newspaper later on, you know, that does something stupid. And So do you... Is it easier for you that you've already read these books to kind of like read through them again? Like, do you, do you think you can kind of go through the chapters kind of quicker because you already have a refresher? In some ways, yes. Um, in other ways, no, because I'm reading them through a different lens. I'm reading them to kind of study them. Yeah. And so. So you are slowing it, down a little so bit. So I'm slowing down mm-hmm. a little bit. Um and I will frequently listen while I'm driving because I'm in my car a lot. And I opened up my phone this morning to transfer notes and I had pages of notes where I would say, Hey Siri, make a note about, Hey Siri, make a note about. Oh, that's cool. Um, while I'm listening to it in the mm-hmm. car so that I'm actively taking notes, even when I'm only listening. Yeah. Um, and I've always been kind of an auditory learner anyway. So listening is easy for me. Yeah. It's, uh, I told you I've been listening some, you know, I, I told you when I drove the the bus to our game in Bloomington this weekend, I listened on the way up and back, you know, and got a good probably two and a half hours in of listening, which, which is really cool too, because it's, it's a different way to kind of, I think, listen to it and set the state. It's easier, I think, to almost paint the picture in your mind. Like when I'm reading, I, I tend to drift a little bit more from the story at times. Like there are times where I'll have to reread two sentences because somehow my mind drifted to something else potentially during that stretch of the story. But when I'm listening to it, it's it's much more vivid and easier for me to paint the picture that I'm kind of seeing in my head as I'm as I'm listening. Um, so yeah, I've been listening a lot. Like yeah, I told I... you, to where it's fun. Like the other day, I got in and drove around and listened just for like forty five <laughs> minutes around town. Went out motivating. Yes, I did. I mean, exactly <laughs> what I did. It was awesome. Uh, you know, the the van we got, you know, has some newer technology in it. So, like, every time you sit, sit in it anyway, your, your phone will just, like, automatically, like, just kind of Bluetooth up to right. it. So, yeah, and, and now that I'm on the story, basically, anytime I get in the van, it'll automatically notice that my phone's in the van. It'll pop up pristine and the chapter that I was previously on. On the little menu and all you got to do is press menu, play. All I got to do is press play automatically. I don't even have to pull it up on the app or anything. It's already nice. connected and it kind of phones kind of like, hey, last time we were in here, we were listening to this. You want me to bring this back up for you? So <laughs> yeah, it, I love that. It's, it's you know, I've been loving that part about it. But it's also too, like last night I told you, I stayed up late kind of reading, you know, part of part two. And um, I definitely, definitely cover ground quicker while reading. Mm-hmm. I've noticed, you know, I mean, the, listening to it i even tried to slightly the speed and it kind of makes the reader sound more off yeah it sounds weird you know so i'm trying to keep it at a pace where i can speed him up a little bit but um 
but not sound ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah. also, too, you know, the more you get in the story, the more you just, like I told you, it's becoming more, it's got its graphs on me or I keep wanting to kind of turn the pages and find mm -hmm. out what's happening next. Because even though I told you I've seen the movie, it's been at least 20, 25 years. And I don't even know if I remember really watching the movie that closely at that time. Yeah. You know, and I'm in my life, who knows, probably intoxicated when I watched it. <laughs> so um, I only have the basic kind of, I would say the very, very small cliff notes version of the story that I remember, which is obviously, which, you know, he said he painted. So the first chapter. Right. And, and the movie is a really, it's a really good adaptation. Um, John Carpenter did a beautiful job visually. Uh, the, the effects are amazing. Even now, um, because he used practical effects, mm -hmm. it was in 82 or 83. And I didn't realize it was John Carpenter. I didn't even look back to even see that. That's going to be a yeah. I, that, that makes me more excited to kind of watch it again because, like I said, it's been so long since I saw it. I just remember the basics. I actually went to the drive in and saw it for sure a couple of years ago because they had it on a they had a couple of older movies on a double feature, and one of them was Christine. And oh my god, that was amazing. Uh, but you know, talking about how the car is haunted slash possessed, whatever. Um, it's really hard to portray those inner monologues, those subtle thoughts like that in a visual media. For sure. So there's a lot of the story is lacking because of that. But he does a really good job of taking the elements that he can and making it a good for sure um that's what i said i'm excited to kind of get down with the book and eventually kind of go back and, and watch the movie you know to to see you know it's always just neat to see like i said there's always a huge difference but it's also nice to see the adaptions are somewhat close mm -hmm. and what close. elements they picked to keep and what they had to leave out it's 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 a neat comparison it's i mean it's a it's a different world like you know i was reading an article last night about um you know the boogeyman is coming out oh i know i can't a, wait short story but reading uh, a lot of stuff from night shift yeah it's coming out june 2nd it's going to be amazing but a lot of it even a lot of the stuff i say it's very loosely <laughs> adapted you know which well i mean that's i want to say that that story is only maybe 40 pages long right so it's i'm sure that there's some stretching of it because it's only 40 pages of material sure. which is not a bad amount to make a decent movie but in my vision about 150 to 180 pages is really the perfect amount of material to make a good movie right um see Shawshank Redemption, also from different seasons. Both of those are less less than two hundred pages, so they were really great adaptations. Oh, I, I mean, you know, I've told you I love the more of the short story median, you know, because it is easier to kind of chomp through a hundred and fifty, two hundred page, or even a lot, a lot. He's a lot of great 80, 90 page stories, mm -hmm. you know, that you can kind of go through, and it's easier to read you know, diving into, you know, uh, even Christine's, which is, I think, kind of more of a smaller book by his standards, and it's five, 500 pages. Yeah. You know, um, it's nothing for a King book to be, 
you know, the four digits, you know, yeah, right, pages, right. Over a thousand so, pages. So, you know, as I sit here and look at my full shelf of great big, huge, thick books. I um, mean, this, this is in the middle. If you look at it, honestly, when you start looking through them, you know, um, a lot of these are a lot bigger and a lot of the ones that it's kind of bigger than are more comp, you know, full garden of stars, mm -hmm. are, you know, there's smaller books kind of than other ones. And, it, it's interesting. I mean, there are all kinds of different ways. I'm, I mean, one of my favorite short stories that I always told you is 1408. Oh, that's such I a great it. story. I loved it the first time I read it. And, and it's an incredible story. I mean, the book tried. I mean, the movie tried. The movie tried. It wasn't a horrible it wasn't, adaptation. It did a good job of trying to, to bring a lot of it together. But, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's only like, I think, 100 pages. It's mm -hmm. not that long of a story, but it's yeah. like, great haunted house i mean that's one of the best haunted house stories i've ever read and that's basically what it is right it really is house. um but have you read the shining well i mean i really liked 1408 though it was more <laughs> no, I mean, no, the, shining, I, but, the shining was so but it's also a good haunted house story <laughs> it is a very good haunted house story obviously but i liked i mean they hit you right in the mouth of 1408 the guy's thinking like oh it's no big deal and then you know the, and then it is <laughs> the hotel manager goes into great depths with the yeah you've done a little bit of research but what about the 40 plus people that have committed suicide those don't get reported in the papers in the room and it really kind of starts diving in so you know going in like boom right. shining kind of eludes itself you know right. you don't really know what happened something happened with the last guy but you don't really but you don't really get the details until you're well into it and this one's right off the bat like it this is. dude's gonna go walk into this so you already know like I guess we're going to have to do 1408 soon. I, <laughs> I think we're kind of. So. Back, back to the story at hand. You know. <laughs> it's I, easy to get on tangents because there's so much good material. Right. But I think we were, we were talking kind of about the family history. Um, the yeah. section where, you know, we talked to um, the brother. Yeah. After, after Roland died um, at the funeral. Dennis actually talked, approached Roland's brother, George, and just asked him some, a couple of questions and then went and met him that evening to kind of get the details. Because, you know, from the first moment, Dennis had a bad feeling. And he's, we're far enough into this now that he has seen some changes in Arnie that are good in some ways, but concerning. For sure. I mean, and, and George does nothing to, I would say, make any of those feelings any better. You know Absolutely what I mean? Absolutely not. The and he doesn't like the car. And, you know, I think, is he, is he the one, I think, I don't know if it's him or it might be late. Lee later, you know, kind of goes into question where he thinks the car, one of the first people to say the car staring at him or looking at me thought, you know, yeah. um, just, just, I mean, yeah, just a crazy thing. And like we were talking too about it, they talk two and a half hours. They talk for a long time, which if right. you know, it's odd that this 18 year old kid's going to spend two and a half hours a night talking to, I think a guy in his seventies or early, you know, well in his sixties, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, at a random, you know, vividly described, shitbox roadside motel right right room. so <laughs> he definitely was giving him an engaging story right um 
because you know it says like the two hour mark he gets up to get a soda where he's like man i need a break from this for a minute you know Mm -hmm. because it talks about the daughter obviously choking which like i said was i felt was kind of brushed under the rug a little bit like it was an accident but right but the wife she can't deny that was definitely not an accident um and you know he talks about that veronica his wife never had a driver's license and that Rolly was Roland was very controlling of her, but he also stressed that Roland never laid a hand on Veronica or Rita, the baby, mm-hmm. um, but that it was very controlling. And then, you know, to find out that this woman who had never had a driver's license and, you know, was described as not being very smart knew enough to attach a hose to an exhaust pipe and get in the car and turn it on. Now I would believe that she had to turn it on because she'd watched that, but it's a lot, it's a little bit extra. Yeah. Because like I said, they kind of brush under the, the daughter mm-hmm. and, and my basic knowledge of the story already, I know is Christine's going to get some blood on her hands later on as the story progresses. Mm-hmm. But right now you're already wondering how much of that did she have to do with potentially? Right. Right. You know, how much was that? How much of what happened to specifically Veronica Rita, Mm -hmm. but, but specifically Veronica, how much of that was the car whispering in her ear? And how much of when the daughter died, did Veronica, you know, originally feel towards the car, Mm -hmm. you know, and how much of that, like I said, how much of that had already corrupted her before right. she did that you know with obviously the losing of her daughter like did she already kind of feel bad feelings on originally mm-hmm. you know it definitely i think he you know if i remember correctly he made it seem like she's definitely very afraid like he didn't beat her no but he definitely was controlling but through fear right that's what i'm saying like you know to where she was just kind of going along for the ride Right. You know, and she was far from home. It said she was from West Virginia and now they're in um, Western Pennsylvania. So it's not necessarily real far from home, but far enough that, you know, she's just not popping over to mom's for dinner. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things about a controlling, abusive situation, even if it's not physically abusive, is separating the person from their support. Mm -hmm. So her being hours away from her family. She seemed very vulnerable. Yeah. She she put her in a really vulnerable situation. So like I said, who knows how much of that she felt off the front? Cause you know, we get into it here a little bit towards where we read about where Lee gets a little bit into it with him. You know, she already isn't totally feeling the car. Right. And she's been in it a couple times. So how much did the wife or how, you know, how bad was Christine back in the day? And like, right. you said, is it more, I haven't gotten to really to the meat and potatoes part of it yet, but is it, was the car originally the way I think it was? Or like, did you say, did the hate from LeBeau transfer to the car and make it worse? But then that also means like, like we said, why did he garage it for so many years? Right. So, uh, yeah. Was was it his Horcrux? Yeah, exactly. It just <laughs> you kind know. Of makes it more this family history just opens up the allure a lot more. It, it 
it gives you information, but it also has a lot more questions. Than but it. not quite enough. Right. It, yeah. It just generates more questions. Well, well, will it make you feel better if I tell you that those are answered later? <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I said, that's where it's kind of just getting to the page turner. It's like, really, what's what's going to happen next? I mean, because there are a couple chapters here. We talk a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's like, man, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about this football team being awful. <laughs> right. Know, like, right. Get back to the car. You know, right. but, well, like, and, it, but it's from his perspective and his looking back at that year, basically, right. life, it seems like we're only in you know senior year. So I'm assuming we're not going to go too much farther. But I, I have a question about this. How many high school football teams have a 14 game season? I mean, really? How many high school football teams will allow one of their players to go talk to his friend and their girlfriend? basically in the parking lot while the game is still being played. Yeah, no, I, that I, I really had a hard time with that suspension of disbelief. So the guy's you know, basically in the parking lot watching, the his, 70s. watching his team finish the game. Oh, I'm out of this one, man. <laughs> Talk to my buddy and his girlfriend over by their car. Like, why is he not on the sidelines? I am not a coach, but I live with one. And yes, that I just did that never made sense to me but you know who knows maybe things were different in the 70s and, but know, i still don't buy a 14 game season i mean the nfl plays 18 now mm-hmm. they probably only made 13 or 14 back then but i think too like i've i've read a lot over the years about stephen king and trying to make things seem right but like you said this was also one of his first books i think it was what was like his fourth or fifth. third or fourth yeah yeah you know it's one of his first books so maybe he was still even learning his process to where and and you know, flash, he wasn't an athlete. Right, he probably had no idea, really. But but definitely, you know, you kind of wonder about that. And you know, too, like reading his stuff later on, I think he became more attention to detail oriented because fanboys and fans were quick to point out the inconsistencies. And I'm sure, you know, from what he seems like, I'm just sure he just loved being told something was slightly wrong in some part of his story. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, you know, it caused him to be more kind of detail-oriented about that. But yeah, the first time reading, I was like, why is, why is this dude not on sidelines? <laughs> yeah, that... It's not being played. It's not even over. It's like, no wonder they're losing. People are just drifting off on the side. Right? I mean, what the heck? But they did kind of use that. I mean, I guess the game was also a part to introduce that Arnie had a girlfriend. Right. He brought her to the game and, you know... Yeah, the, the new girl. Arnie landed the new girl because she didn't know any of his past. And after he had this car, you know, his acne cleared up and he had more confidence and he had a different swagger about him. And she didn't know any of his past. So he landed the hot new girl. For sure. And, you know, Dennis talks, gets a little, he's a little jealous, honestly, you know, kind of that first time he sees her with him and stuff like that. And, and also, too, you kind of wonder, because Dennis says it a couple times, like he's noticing Arnie's, man, Arnie's face doesn't look as, because, you know, at first he's all, I mean, he he paints him in the first, like, two or three chapters as the prototypical, like, 1980s nerd yeah. kid, you know, with early age with acne. acne, like, you know, eight eyes, he's got, like, two sets of glasses type stuff almost, they're saying he's real wiry, small, he doesn't, you know, even in the book that i am listening to when i'm listening and i'm not reading the reader goes into this very shrill and kind of whiny voice when he talks about arnie when he talks as arnie he talks like this you know very kind of weak and is 
the story progresses, it's slowly kind of changing. But at the beginning, I mean, he's the the super nerd. Super know? nerd. Yeah. And as the kind of the story goes on, you know, Dennis talks about how much his his complexion is improving and stuff like that, which also makes me wonder. And you know, when they kind of broke this scene, it's probably got to be a very big change because mm-hmm. most guys are not going to notice another guy's complexion slightly getting a little bit better. Especially if you see him every day. Right. They right. See each other. I mean, not every day. There are definitely some times where it's like, well, I didn't talk to Arnie for like a week or two. or Right. But, but they've been best friends since they were little, little kids. And you notice when your friend changes. Dennis's family notices that Arnie's changing. Mm-hmm. You know, Dennis's dad is on the ball. He sees it early he he doesn't see the details he doesn't know exactly what's going on but he knows something's going on mm-hmm. i mean he asked if arnie's in a bucket uh, of something brown and steamy you know he knows that arnie's empty mm-hmm. to something but doesn't know any details right yeah, so other people are noticing it too. It's not just his best friend and it's not just his girlfriend. Oh yeah, I mean, we haven't even really talked about his parents yet. I mean, that situation yeah. is you know, obviously bad off the start. You know, they talked about the wonderful support, you know, he got from his parents when he first bought the car, which I mean, I understand, you know, my kid brings home a junker. A junker that he definitely overpaid for. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be happy about the situation i'm probably still gonna let him park in my house but like i said this is the 1970s and obviously appearances were a lot in libertyville pennsylvania time to where nobody wanted to see the car i guess obviously in front of their house it was that bad well and you know his parents were college professors and professionals and they had an image to maintain Mm -hmm. and they expected their little boy their only child to fall in line and maintain those images yeah i mean and they even talk about like and that's the one part i guess being a parent and you know you've you've had three kids go through this stage Mm -hmm. of their life and me having one now and another one entering it like to where kids just naturally rebel i mean he's an 18 year old kid and kind of painting it to a point there's just a lot of independence that he is kind of gaining now that he is wanting to take more of yeah and they talk about how up to that point he had just kind of gone along with what Michael and Regina wanted because they, they, they told they him just, what to do. All they the time. told him what to do and it was just, okay, fine. Go along with things. And all of a sudden he's asserting this independence and they don't know what to think about it. They don't know what to do about it. Oh, and I mean, for them too, you know, I think she even mentions it and the dad does too. It all started the day he bought the car. You know, he came home just uh, unrelenting. No, I bought this car and I'm going to buy this car. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of telling you to be nice. Kind right. Of situation. This is an informational meeting, not a discussion. Not a discussion, <laughs> you know, and right off the bat, you know, it sets it up to where um, they're against the car. And obviously, you know, that's going to have more repercussions if we want to do talk about it do you want to talk about like the dad situation or you want to go ahead and get through these other ones first or no let's talk about the dad you know i mean his his idea eventually when when arnie brings it home to me is i mean well first of all his dad asked dennis to go take a look at it take a look at it yeah which, which allows dennis to really get the chance to talk to darnell which opens up the whole story line without arnie without arnie 
to what all kind of happens, you mm-hmm. know? And um, like I thought originally, I thought it was incredibly brash of Dennis to even kind of mention who he was at the garage. It actually got him in well with Darnell. Right. But story that Dennis's dad had Dennis Dennis's dad was an accountant and, and, and for Darnell, for Darnell and Darnell so let that know that there's some definitely shadiness there with Darnell but then you know kind of said that he doesn't do his things anymore right. and I mean alluded basically that where Darnell wanted to get a little questionable and mm-hmm. you know um, Dennis's dad didn't want to do it so to me right there like you know, my dad was in a lot of business. When you stop doing business with a person, it's not always an amicable split. Time, I kind of thought when Dennis went there, I was wondering how that was going to be perceived by Darnell. Dennis's dad thought it was an amicable split, but how did Darnell I could see Darnell, Darnell could have been very upset with the fact this guy doesn't want to do business with me anymore, potentially. Right. Or, you know, it, it is obviously, but they talk about his scruples being the way of what, how he is driven anyway. <laughs> so, but uh, I was kind of surprised that I kind of thought it was going to go bad at that point, and it actually opened the door for him to get in, kind of find out a little bit more from Darnell. And, yeah, um, and, and and Darnell being, you know, in his shop in one of the bays was watching Arnie and had questions because he had noticed that car looked familiar. Like, I think he said it right. once. Like first of all, he said the car looked familiar, and then he noticed that things were just again, being done in a random way. And he commented that he never actually saw Arnie working on the car. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, but he, yeah, he does kind of see say- him fiddling with things, but he never actually saw him working on the car. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that Darnell went to kind of a little bit of great extremes talking about how I never forget a car that's in here, mm-hmm. but I feel like I've seen that car. And that also kind of goes back to my kind of like, like I said, just possessed kind of evil. You know, wonder if it's kind of like, like an it kind of power mm-hmm. where forget about it. Over time, right. You know, and then all of a sudden once Dennis kind of told him, yeah, that's who he He's got like, it from. Oh, you know, yeah. Man, I do remember that car. And you know, you know about all what happened to it, you know, about right. the wife and the daughter dying in it and. Uh, you know that was actually oh yeah absolutely i'd be like no he doesn't know about that but he was quick to be like i don't know what you're talking about right because he's trying to cover his ass (laughs) i think so and you know it always kind of goes back to i mean i don't know it's just weird because i feel like dennis wants to help but he doesn't always help enough it's like he like you said he's looking back at this and trying not to be too overbearing i think on his friend but like with the george talk I don't, I don't know if the knowledge might've been helpful. And I think that he was trying to help his friend, but didn't know how to do it most effectively. I mean, they were kids. Well, I think too. Yeah. I mean, he was definitely taken back when called him and, you know, Arnie basically told him to go fuck himself because he didn't realize the LeBay had died. Mm-hmm. And he called him that day. And, you know, Arnie was thought, you know, because he came with the garage idea, take it to LeBay's garage. And, right. You know, Arnie was very upset about that. So, there was definitely some little, I don't I wouldn't call it fear because Dennis always kind of talks about Arnie as kind of more like, I think like a little brother type friend that he right. kind of looked out for, but there was definitely where he was getting more aggressive with him and Dennis just didn't know how to respond correctly. Right. Right. I don't know what to do here. I mean, he's talking about just not being my friend anymore and like, it's not that bad, bud, but he's definitely like, Dennis, this is it right off the bat. It's the wrong car. 
And Dennis has a good support network, but they're still kids. Mm-hmm. They're still kids. And so it's hard to respond appropriately when you just don't know. You just don't have the life experience to do it. Yeah. So and I think that also sets up, though, too, the, the situation that he learns from Darnell because he talks about how what really happened with the buddy fight. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we find out the buddy fight early, and it's another, you know, about six chapters before we find right. out, no, it kind of went the other way, you know, right. to where Buddy did get kicked out. Everything went really, I mean, honestly, at the time, everything went perfect for Arnie. I mean, right. he stood up for himself. You think he's kind of beating the bully back. Guy's kicked out of the garage. Arnie ends up getting a job in the garage. Right. And wow, kind of everything kind of switched around more than you kind of thought it did. Right. It, everything worked out in Arnie's favor, which is not typical. But I think that also sets the stage for the fight with Repperton that gets him kicked out of school. Mm. Oh, yeah, it absolutely does. Because Repperton's the bad, the, the big bad bully, and he cannot possibly be shamed by the little scrawny kid. Again. Right. The first time it was more, I think, behind closed doors and not a lot mm. of people saw it and, you know... And so now they're at school and everybody's there and he's got a reputation he's got to uphold. Well, too, you know, we, we also learned from Darnell. Darnell sees everything that happens in his garage. And mm-hmm. even the first time we hear the story, it seems like, you know, right when the tide was getting turned, Darnell popped out and saved Buddy kind of more or less. So, you know, he was probably watching it all kind of go down. Right. And seeing it, you know, the way the way it was. And Buddy had obviously a decision. Had, had a little bit of shame that day. and. You know, more obviously losing his job that we kind of find out a couple more chapters, but mm-hmm. setting it up for the school. And I also wonder, though, is Dennis going to be so aggressive in that fight if he doesn't already know all the information about the two in the history that's kind of gone down? I mean, I suspect that he probably would have been because Repperton was his bully for years. Yeah. So it's changing you know, was... with Arnie, get him together kind of thing. Right. I think that, you know, this was just all of a sudden Arnie was standing up for himself. And so it was going to escalate because Buddy was the, the big bag bully. Yeah. was a crazy scene too. I mean, I think the guy's got an eight inch switch switchblade. Blade. Yeah. I mean, who brings that to high school? First of all, I mean, <laughs> you know, you're going to beat up the nerd. You're going to cut the nerd up with an eight inch, you know, like, yeah, it's it crazy. But I mean, I carried a pocket knife in my purse. Yeah. But I mean, not a an eight inch switchblade. <laughs> well, especially yeah. I mean, I guess part of it's just like we said, it's the the bullies that he, you know, Stephen King is very good at creating are very stereotypical to the nines. They're, they are yep. they are the bad people that we, we see who really do awful things, and he's very quick to point out that they are bad yep. people, you know, yep. and that represents you know not playing with a full deck necessarily. Right, because he's, you know, 20 and still in high school. Him getting kicked out of school, you know that's not going to be, that we're going to deal with that again. Yeah, oh yeah. He's definitely not gone, because now it's, you know, Arnie has shamed him. He doesn't have his job or place to work on his car at the garage. Now he's also kicked out of school, and who knows what he had to deal with at home about that. You know, he is not, not Arnie fan. No, definitely not. Especially now. And, and two, I mean, I would think Dennis is on on his list too. 
You know, I, would I think, yeah. Definitely just the one. You know, I think both of them definitely. He's got his sights set set on, and yeah, I mean, it, I love the scene with the teacher. The teacher was, mm-hmm. you know, very, you know, quick to point out all the different ways this is going to go bad, and right. It was basically, you know, you get kicked out of school or you can go to jail. He was <laughs> not. He was not playing around. Yeah. And then that, of course, made school easier because if your building's gone. And not to mention the fact that, you know, once again, it looks like Arnie was actually getting the best of the fight when it all got broken up, per se, kind of towards Well, until he pulled the knife. Well, he even talks to the thing, knocks the knife out of his hand. And he said he almost breaks his hand, stomping out his hand when he goes down to pick the knife after he knocked it out of his hand. You know, he stomps on it, you know. Yeah. Which, which is a very aggressive move in both ways to, first of all, attack somebody with a knife without a weapon to knock it out of their hand. That's, yeah, it's that's crazy. Tough. You don't get yourself cut, potentially. And then the second of all, I mean, that you have to stomp down hard. If you think about me trying to pick something up from bending over on mm-hmm. my feet, how hard you have to stomp down on somebody's arm midway through that pull when it's on the ground. Right. You know, it's yeah, he aggressive move. You absolutely. Know? You know, another spot where he's standing up for himself. And it shows, you know, I mean, it was a nice thing that Dennis, I don't know, because they, Arnie's obviously Dennis's friend, but I don't necessarily, I haven't really got the impression that he's initially his best friend, you know, to where they're very old friends. But I, like I said, it's almost like a little brother like that. I really he's, didn't know. If Dennis he was says he's his only friend. Arnie says that about Dennis. He says he's his only friend. But Dennis, I'm saying from the other standpoint, doesn't seem that way. You know, Dennis, like, Arnie tells me that I'm his only friend. But, mm-hmm. well, you know, Dennis says several times he didn't, you know, if, if they were that close, there wouldn't be, like, gaps to where they don't talk for two to three weeks at a time. I, I don't know. I, I think so. In high school, you're going to talk. I mean, in high school, maybe. But you know, I definitely get this. I mean, Dennis talks a lot about having his little girlfriends, the cheerleaders. Right. And other things. So he's definitely not consumed with Arnie the way maybe Arnie is with Dennis. Right. Right. So, you know, that's where I said I was kind of I was kind of pleasantly surprised Dennis jumped in the fight the way. Well, but I also think Dennis is a good friend to him. Yes, he is. And that but I was was, consistently through their entire childhood had been a good friend to him. So I wasn't necessarily surprised because Because I mean at the time though he really didn't I don't know. I have to read it completely again, but I I feel like at the time it was just set up to where it was Arnie against Repperton, right? And then the friends weren't really introduced until they got into the fight, which Dennis helped to keep them out of the fight, right? You know, but right. uh, it was just neat to see because you kind of just don't know if you know is Arnie going to get stomped out here, situation, you know, just a bad situation in general that Arnie's in, and Dennis definitely comes and saves saves Arnie or helps him out, you know, right? But, also, like I said, Arnie once again, though, kind of had the upper hand. He did. In a weird twist of events. Right after that was the football game. We already talked about that and how weird that was. But but the, the on the street again is where, you know, Arnie's dad hits it up with, you know, at the time, he seems to be, you know, because Arnie come home and gets that fight with his mom. And, you know, his dad is just kind of just like a beaten dog in the corner in yeah. the entire conversation. Where she right, right. It's, it's right. You his opinion doesn't me? matter. You agree with me. This is not going to be here. 
and then you know dad kind of comes around a little bit on the car ride well right because you know from he talks about from his point of view michael talks about arnie's mom doesn't see it because she was always the one who was picked up and that you know teenage boys need a car but dennis also points out how out of touch michael is with that because up to that point arnie had never had a girl mm -hmm. you know his dad was coming warming up to the idea of arnie having a car because he got it well i think yeah i mean he definitely said he was you know he's proud of him for the work that he did obviously mm -hmm um you know was was trying to help but yeah and he know. knows his son is talented he knows what he can do you know but um, yeah. but you know the idea that he comes up with i mean you just know right off the bat that it's not oh yeah it's like it's and, one of those you can just see through and you know it's not even gloss it over for us no. you know he tells you right off the bat that the, the sandy guy the, yeah the buddies, the buddies one work in there when they pull in yeah poor arnie doesn't even put the put it all together really right. you know at the time but it's obvious it's obvious to us as the reader that this is going to be a bad situation this is going to be a bad situation you're, so you're putting you, the car out in the middle of basically nowhere from what i gather from right the yeah at the uh, long-term airport parking lot because it was inexpensive to put it there for a month and he could ride the bus out get his car go do the things he needed to do I mean, it sounds good in theory. I mean, I guess. I mean, I'm kind of with Arnie too, though. That's where I was kind of like feeling him like, I mean, you're trying to help Michael, but it's a 20 minute drive on the bus. It's the last right. stop on the bus right. all the way to the airport, you know, which is, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, parent, being a parent said, well, you'll drive it less. Well, we'll only drive it when you need it, you know, kind of thing. Right. But still, it's not. Gas money and insurance and blah, blah, blah. That's just not helpful. I mean, more than anything, you know, I guess that's another thing where times have changed. I don't want him. I mean, it talks one time where Arnie takes the bus back at midnight from, right. from the long-term parking thing. So, like, your kid's on a bus at midnight? Like, I don't know. Back yeah, to that definitely. I would definitely not do that here. Now, in when we were in D.C., a few summers ago, we took the train at midnight. Yeah. But the public transit is different. And, you know, maybe it was different in this fictional city. But I don't even think our city buses run at midnight. I don't think so either. I, I don't know that, if they do. I mean, there's a city bus stop basically right in front of the house. Mm -hmm. And I think the last one is at like 1120. Mm -hmm. So I don't even think it runs that late. This fictional town has got some things. Well, even think about it, though, too. The city bus here. I mean, it's a long ride if you're going to be on the city bus for 20 plus minutes. I mean, it's 20 miles. Like, even in town, like, most of the city buses yeah. stay on a lot of the main kind of thoroughfares and right. just kind of zigzag through Evansville. You know, that would be like getting on the city bus. I, I don't know. It's kind of described to me as being where we're at right now. And the city bus takes you out to almost like Interstate 64. Right, right. You know, yeah, that's like, like that's a long that's way a long, out, way. long way back to your house too. If you think about it, you know, yep. from that standpoint. So it, it was, yeah. I mean, I, I think it had good intentions of trying to please the wife and make it okay to but smooth things over at home. Things over at home, but um, it's it, you already know it's just going to set up more down there, which it does. Which quickly. it does, of course, because of course it does. Um, so they they get the car. Uh oh, that's actually in the next section. You jumped ahead. 
it's kind of right off the bat a little yeah, bit. It is, yeah, it is right at the beginning of the next section. But I mean, the last two that we kind of get on, it talks about her just being on the street again. Yeah. You know, being street legal and, and also well, or close to street legal because right. he, he actually gets a not quite legal dealer inspection plate. sticker and dealer plate and things are starting to change. And I think what's funny about that scene too, that we, we didn't even get to talk about that. That's the first date. That's why mm-hmm. he has to get all this stuff and everything right. to get her on the phone because he, he asked her out, he asked the, the hot new girl out and then crazy. And it shows just how Arnie, like you said, has never had a new girl because he did. He has the hot brand new girl out, but then he hasn't one verified the location of the game. It's not at home. It's somewhere right. he else. Has, he has not planned well. <laughs> and then he's like, he thinks he can't get on the bus, which he could have. Because he didn't know any better. He didn't know any better. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, how am I going to get her there? You know? Right. So it, and and- he didn't, you know, ask to borrow his dad's Porsche because his dad had a Porsche stuck in the hello. Um, I mean, my first thought in that situation would be to borrow a car that is legal. But I guess it was his first car. He mm-hmm. wanted to be able to show it off because it was drivable and it was, you know, close. And I mean, all. It was the whole purpose why he bought it. It was the independence right. and that feeling of uh, freedom. Uh, I mean, my son just got his license. Well, it's been two weeks, maybe less. Um, and the first time that he drove home from school, you know, second day he had the license, he said to my wife, I just feel just an incredible sense of freedom. And he didn't even want to get his driver's license. And, and you know, I, I mean, it, it, right when I'm reading this, I'm, I'm thinking back to those things like Arnie's saying of why that independence and being so free. And I mean, now that he has his license, every day he wants to go somewhere. You know, where you want to right. go? You know, somewhere yeah, i'll take it you know, he's, right he's all i can already see like talks aren't he likes just being in his car even if he is by himself right you know, right i mean i think when i got cruising. when i got my very first car i think i put 300 miles on it in the first two days i had it just because it was mine and i could just go anywhere i wanted yeah. so i did right and i think that's where you know he's so far thinking about the the date he didn't realize i'm out and the car's not even legal you right. know at the time so, and then you get to hear that darnell did help him right get and, and so kind of reinforces his you know shadiness but now arnie also owes him a favor right right and i don't know if this is before he started working for him more if he already has i think he's already has he's, he's already yeah. working for him but he's you know pulling parts and and stuff like that darnell still got him on the the legal job side mm-hmm. you know darnell hasn't trusted him enough yet we know that darnell's doing shady things but he hasn't trusted arnie enough yet to get involved in those shady things right right and so, then um close to ends you know after that is um you know another another chat or a joke about but like the dennis accident chapter yeah you know which is um pretty horrific pretty horrific yeah i mean it's brutal for a high school football game once we said i mean there's not I I don't know. I mean, I watch a lot of football, but I can't think of many times I've seen a player break both his legs. Right? Right. Break both right. Legs both his legs and a and cracked a and cracked a vertebrae. And yeah, I mean, he I mean, was it's a brutal hit. I mean, back maybe like you said, technology's gotten better. It was well, late seventy early. Safety so. equipment's gotten better, and yeah, yeah so there's a lot of things. 
but I also kind of, even at the time, kind of thought to myself, like, he's setting this up to weaken, like, Stephen King is mm -hmm. setting this up to weaken Dennis, where, right. Dennis, where Dennis is not going to be able to potentially help in either a Repertin situation or potentially maybe with a car, is, right. my, is my theory to where this is kind of going. And because that's the first thing I read it is kind of like, you know, every, everything's intentional with anybody's art right. that they put in. They want us to see this for a reason. So yeah. I'm and, and you're looking ahead at, okay, this is the thing that's happened. What is that going to directly affect in the future? But it does, it gets Dennis. I mean, it lands Dennis in the hospital for <clears throat> two months or something where he loses touch of what's kind of going on and has to get back out and kind of see it. Right. Right. But that's in the next section. So we got to, we should stop talking about that. <laughs> so the first third of Christine, pretty fantastic. Oh, I love it. I mean, like I told you, it's, it's just been a, a, a page turner for me more or less now. Um, at first it kind of started slow because, you know, it was, you kind of knew what was kind of happening and, and it really didn't, it didn't take off for me until the family history. I think that was right. the chapter, chapter 12 where yeah. it really kind of you hit me like, a little bit more. Oh. And like I said, that whole section of me just made me wonder more questions as opposed oh, to yeah. what it gave. It absolutely piques your curiosity. Mm -hmm. So now you're like, okay, I don't know what happens next. <laughs> and I love it when I get to that section of a book, when I get to that, I can't wait to see what happens next. That's, that's what reading's all about to me. Oh yeah, I mean, I told you, I stayed up late last night. And I read. I mean, I'm midway through section two right now, and you know, I could probably do section two very soon if we needed to. So, yeah, I mean, so we're gonna get together and later this week and and record that section, and then uh, we'll get these posted. It's probably gonna be a couple of weeks between them, um, just because, uh, and I don't want to overcommit. So, constant listeners, please. Give us some uh, time while we get settled in again. Looking forward to this. Looking forward to getting through the rest of this book. Uh, thanks for listening to us talk about the first third of Christine Dennis, Teenage Love Songs. I'm Kim Payne, and I'm your host. Brad Elliott. And you have been listening to First Time Through, New Eyes on Castle Rock. Jason Rager.